0: And the brainchild behind this program, Dr. Dina Dye, is floating around somewhere out there. Hello, Dr. Dina Dye. How are you?
1: Hi, Jeff Morton. I'm doing just fine on this lovely day in New Mexico, about 68 degrees, a cool breeze. It was gorgeous.
0: You know, it was really nice here, too, but now it's raining. And uh, oh. <laughs> But I came out of the tire shop and it was raining. I'm like, wow. So uh, anyway, folks, it's been one of those hectic days for me. I'm actually in our offices doing the program because my my time kind of ran by me and I couldn't get home to do the show. So I'm here in the office, and uh, I have everything set up here so I can do this. But anyway, uh, we'd like to thank you all for joining us. Welcome to what we do here. Our show is all about returning to Eden or returning to the concepts of the biblical writers in the times that they wrote the, the scriptures in the text. So that's what we're all about. And uh, Dean, and I had a very interesting conversation today with a young man in Maine uh who might do some some digital work for us. Uh, he actually was a person who was somebody else who I had given the feast information to and taught a lot of this information to him, who's absolutely captivated with all of this. Wanted me to speak to this guy, so he connected us. I spent an hour and a half on the phone with this young man. Uh, I think he's all 29 years old, and I, yeah. I I said to him, I said, he's a believer, you know, he's a Christian. And I said, well, the problem with what we believe, this is about two percent of the Bible, and the other 98 percent, we 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 don't know any of that as Christians. And he goes, uh, excuse me, would you would you explain that? <laughs> and I said, well. Let's start with the 98%. If we knew the 98%, we would quickly see that it the 2 percent's is keeping us from seeing the 98% of the story, which opened up a long conversation. And by the time we got done, he's like, well, I, I manage this show. I'd like to do a radio show. You've got to come on the show. This blew my mind. And so uh, it was a good, good, good thing because we're always trying to steer the people back, and particularly believers in particular, right. our Christian brothers and sisters, back to Eden. And that was a, a, a real opportunity. And you have one, too, and I hadn't heard this. So go ahead and what happened with you?
1: Well, there is, you know, there's been things going on the last few days. So I got a call from Israel TV Network, and uh, they want me back out to do some more filming. So I think I'm going to do a, a series on the parables. Since all the parables, well, not all of them, but most of them relate to gardening and farming and trees and whatever uh, and show just like I'm showing in the kingdom and John's gospel I'm going to show the kingdom in the parables and uh, in having a conversation they uh, I was told that my show on Israel TV network is consistently every week number one and beating out all the big guys like CBN and Zola Levitt and we could go on in fact there's a guy on there who's produced these programs to the tune of like four million dollars or something and my show, (laughs) people are watching my show, I said well I don't you know I am honored I have no idea I mean apparently people are very hungry for something they can sink their teeth into so that was exciting and then I started uh, on this whole Amazon marketing service thing which is you know for writers kind of a big deal Facebook isn't really as helpful in the area of marketing as the Amazon marketing services. So I did a, a, core, a free course and then I began to do my research. And as I was doing it, I came upon a guy named Brian Godawa. I'm sure you've never heard of him. But he started talking about, well, he's got a ton of books out. He's pretty prolific. I think he was some, a you know Hollywood guy, he produced some, some films and stuff. And I found him on—he he'd done a radio show on a strange network called Canary Cry Radio. Okay, whatever. I listened to an interview that he did, but I was like, man, we are on the same page here. And he's just written a book—well, it's two two parts—on the Book of Revelation in fiction. And he maintains, as I do, that the book of Revelation is dealing with events on the ground in the first century. I mean, I've been trying to, you know, I've been beating that drumbeat for a while. So I sent him off an email and just kind of introduced myself. And uh, he actually was interested in getting my books. I sent sent the Kindle version and he said, you know how it is as a writer, I've got them on my reading list, you know, no guarantee, but he was going to try to read them. I'm like, all right, you know, but so just... Somebody would just, you know, read them. So uh, I was I was excited about that connection as well. So, you know, stuff's going on.
0: Well, you know, I uh, talking about stuff going on. I I put seven the first seven parts of the Kingdom and the Gospel of John. I kind of grabbed them all off Israel TV and put them on our our Facebook page. And within two days, we had old um, I think over four hundred people have clicked on them
1: really? in, in wow. two days. Wow. So, so,
0: so like I told you before, I think that the power and presence of the Holy Spirit is moving ahead of everything that you're doing because it's that time for this yeah. to come forward. And yeah. And really, folks, it's like I, I was talking to this young man and I went all the way around this whole big ethereal loop to bring him back to the idea that we're talking about a governmental system, a kingdom. We're talking about a restoration of the kingdom. We're talking about a political, a historical, a governmental reality about a kingdom that says, if you are in covenant with me, here is your obligation, and these are the things we're doing, and all of these things are to protect life. Once we get that, as opposed to, oh, my God, Lord Jesus, I sinned. What am I going to do? If we can get past that emotional thing and really buy the rules of the kingdom, then we become citizens of the very kingdom that Messiah restored.
1: Amen. That's the
0: bottom line.
1: Yeah, and, and God put in place a mechanism through Yeshua's death, burial, and resurrection to keep that covenant relationship in place. It's called repentance. Right. So, and unfortunately, people sort of walk around, oh, I, oh Lord, I'm a sinner. God hates me. God's mad at me. I mean, it has nothing to do with that. This is your, this is your way to keep the covenant, uh, to to make the covenant, keep it together, if you will. It's repentance. So, with that done, you know, then everything else applies. And, and we've got to go out of the woe is me. I'm a sinner and you know, God's mad at me. Um, <laughs> we're just kinda we just kind of stuck there. To, and,
0: and, you know, to, not to make light of that point, because we have to realize that that thinking divides us from the resurrection. It divides right. us from what he did. And so that stinking thinking is what we used to call in the 80s, stinking yeah. thinking. right. That stinking thinking is just another form of division whereby we have a malevolent God or a benevolent God who says listen I've restored all of this all you have to do is keep your end of the obligation
1: right, so right. that's all you yeah.
0: have to do and when yeah. you fall down pick yourself up get back to it
1: yeah because you're yeah.
0: in a war zone right and that's well and
1: it, it always goes back you know there's only two kingdoms we've talked about this quite a bit there's you can't straddle the fence have one foot in one and one foot in the other you know, you, if you've made a covenant, you are in the kingdom of God. If you've broken the covenant, you are in the kingdom of kingdoms of this world, being ruled and governed by the kings of this world. Now, in the sort of physical sense, yeah, we can see. We live in a nation. We have government. You know, all that sort of thing. But, uh, and as I, ta- I talked about, you know, a fair amount in the last chapter of my book. There is a kingdom now present here, moving, advancing on the earth, making strides, having an impact, changing lives. Which kingdom do you want to be a part of?
0: Right. And, you know, speaking of the kingdom, like I said, I spent, I went through the seven episodes that you have. I went back through them. I probably listened to all of them now. Well, I've listened to all of them once. And the thing that keeps, I keep, Going back to various blog articles that I've written over the course of the last 10 years, and there's certain things that you hit on every one of those. My blog articles, I had a young lady. uh, I'm going to segue for a moment. She she was going to take my blog articles and put them in a book, and she called me back about three days later, and she said, you're all over the map here. What am I supposed to do with this? (laughs) What am I supposed to do with this? But anyway, Suffice it to say, a lot of the points that I was trying to make along the way are in your series, and that has largely to do with we need to stop thinking that we're a faith-based organization as opposed to the citizens of an eternal kingdom. And you, you really cover a lot of that very well in the series, and I think people don't I really think people don't quite get the ideal like Spanish and French and, and Swahili. there is a biblical language throughout the Bible right. that is centered around kingdom yeah. and until people really understand that and I think this is this is your your magic button really, until people understand that language then they they' it's hard for them. To see anything other than the last 1,800 years, if you will.
1: Oh yeah, no, there's no question, and it's just amazing to me how rich the Book of John is with this language. Once you start under, you know, once you start recognizing terms, it's a game changer. It's a complete game changer. So, you know, we, I'm, I'm not going to go back through John chapter one again. You know, if you guys can go listen to, listen to it on Israel TV network or if you're a member of my website, it's available there as well. But the the key point—it's interesting in John one that we jump from day four to John chapter two, the first verse, three days later to day seven, because there's a relationship between those two. So in the in day four of creation, what do we have? The sun, the moon, and the stars. This is and this is critical to understand kingship as well, because remember Joseph had a dream he was the King in the family. He was going to rule and reign from Egypt and the description in the dream was of the sun, the moon, and the stars. So that dream takes us back to the creation week and the reality of who is the King. And so the whole story of Joseph is gardening. It's a gardening farmer story in which what does he do is he um, he stores the wheat, the wheat grain so that people will live And that wheat grain provides the sustenance. This is so classic ancient Near East, it's just mind-boggling. And so you have that day four thing going on, and then later down in the passage, which is one of, you know, it talks about uh, the, the declaration is made, you are Ben Elohim, you are son of God, you are king of Israel. And we've talked, that's Hebrew parallelism, saying the exact same thing, that the son of God and the king of Israel are one and the same. And so... Unless you understand this language, you just kind of blow right by it in John chapter 1. I don't know. My hope is in the next two weeks that we can talk more, uh, get more into John chapter 3. Because that is, to me, one of the most um, convoluted chapters. Like it's, it's so ethereal sounding. You know, unless a man is born again from above, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. I mean, how weird is that? Unless a man is born of the spirit and the water, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Those are just, just terms that just make no sense to us whatsoever. And we've just taken them and made them into a pretzel. You know what I'm saying? So uh, that whole chapter is exclusively about kingship. And I'm going to show, you know, as we go through the next two weeks probably, I'm going to show people how that that reality of born again has to do with kingship.
0: Well, not only that, but John is making an announcement. He's, he's, and I'll say this again. And when you really, because it is so different, because this gospel is so different, and because it's got all this ethereal language in it, that you know, probably I would say fifty percent of the people hearing it back, you know, two thousand years ago, wouldn't have went, "Wow, well, what's he talking about?" They would probably would have understood it and adapted to it very well. We, on the other hand, we have a theological malaise to kind of jumble, jumble through to realize that John is simply announcing that the kingdom has been announced. Yeah. He's
1: announcing,
0: he's like it's, a tire. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yes, the herald. Hear ye, hear ye, yes. hear ye. Hear ye. <laughs> the
0: kingdom of God has commenced. Amen. And then he goes through all of this language, this metaphorical language, but it's really not metaphorical language. It's the language of kingship, that's fluid through the whole Bible, and he's literally announcing the royal decree that has now come into being.
1: Well, and again, when Yeshua calls his disciples and says, Follow me, you know, that sounds kind of okay, like he's the Pied Piper of Hamel, you know, and all <laughs> the rats and stuff are following him. But that expression means, Come be my attendant in the kingdom. That's what he's saying to them, you know, come and be my attendant in this kingdom, and you are part of my royal retinue i mean it's it's really quite profound um and it's just you know it's just a question of rearranging our thinking and beginning to look with those kinds of eyes because it's really there's nothing that's what the gospel is that the kingdom is here now, present on the move. And people are being delivered and set free. I mean, hall, hallelujah, is
0: <laughs> I say. Well, and, you know, it's difficult for, for people. It's really difficult. I look at people when I'm sharing some of this stuff, and, you know, we don't have all the time to do all that here. But I look at their faces, and it's difficult for them to just kind of put the brakes on and do an about face, if you will. It's a difficult thing because they don't understand what they're doing and about phase two. right? So that's why I think your program is, like I wrote on Facebook, uh, your program is kind of given the backstory story of the events of the announcement of the kingdom of God and the earth, and you would maintain, and I know you do because of your book, that the kingdom of God, he, he was elevated literally at the time of Yeshua, but the coronation event has not happened yet in the sense that we understand it in the flesh
1: right the well spirit, the the coronation in the ancient world was a five part ceremony, so it's in essence unfolding How most right. of it unfolded through Yeshua's life through the various events. we're just waiting for the final act <laughs> you know when he re, you know he is seated at the right hand of the father, but you know the final act is when he takes up his throne on the earth right.
0: And that's, and of course, you you would say, and I agree with you, there's no airlift, folks. We're going to be right here. <laughs> right. And the reason we're going to be, it's like, Lord, you did all of this just to scoop us out of here. It, it doesn't fit the biblical narrative.
1: Well, it doesn't even make sense because God, I mean, really, God so loved the world, you know, he didn't remove everybody out of it and leave behind, you know... Those that are I mean he so loved the world and that is an expression of kingship as well that the he uh, so loved the world that and he brought his only begotten son Any anytime you see language of the only begotten son that is you can take that one to the bank that's ancient Mesopotamian language for a king for a, a son becoming king and that's right in that. In that John 3.16, the most famous, oft-quoted verse on the planet that you used to be able to see at every football game is kingship language, the only begotten son. So, you know, it's, it's remarkable, really.
0: Well, King David was the only begotten son. Let's see, all the pharaohs were the only begotten sons. Let's see, uh, all of the Caesars were the... Because it was the language of the day. Yeah. We've turned it into a biological right. uh, crazy thing when we don't really understand that. I I wrote an article called <clears throat> Father and Son or something, and I was I was sitting there. I, I created this kind of like what you do, do in your book. I created this little uh, uh, vignette in an article I wrote, and I was sitting in the bleachers when they brought Yeshua before uh, Caiaphas. And they had this whole trial in the middle of the night, and and I was sitting next to another guy who was Jewish, and I leaned over to him and I went, "I read this in the Bible," <laughs> and he responded, "Okay," and I said, do, "Do you understand what I'm talking about?" He goes, "Well, first you got to tell me what the Bible is," because he wouldn't have understood it. Right. He wouldn't have understood it in the language that we understand. If I had said in the scriptures or in the Torah scrolls or something like that, he would have, oh, okay, but the Bible means nothing to him. And we have to go back to what he understood, which is what we talk about every single week. We have to go back and look at what he understood and everything going on around him in that culture in order to see this whole thing. They were put him on trial because his kingdom, he was declaring his kingdom in Rome, which was occupied. They were occupied people. So here they're sitting there going, this guy's going to bring the hell of Rome on us. We've got to do something with him. And while they were doing that, he's busy laying the foundation for the events to take place, and he's challenging their authority on every single thing that they say. And people don't understand that. They, they could not counter anything he said or did because of the authority of his kingship. And those people who understood that language and that whole world back there are going, look at this man, challenge their authority with such authority because the kingdom was there, folks. It's been here all along ever since. And that's what David is trying to bring forward.
1: That is an important point about his authority. So in the ancient world, when you had a tree grow up and become... Huge and mighty and it had a canopy that filled the earth that canopy represented the sovereignty the shade the authority of the king that's why we see so much of that language with like King Nebuchadnezzar being compared to a tree and You know the very Pharaoh and king of Assyria kings were always compared to trees because uh, well, there's a lot of reasons, but one is because they provided shade or sovereignty or authority over those that were under them and so what you know we get kind of cuckoo when we talk about you know the birds nesting in the trees and all these different things when it's really just speaking about a kingdom like Nathaniel sitting under the fig tree is classic and you know he is sitting under the authority and sovereignty of God Almighty and that's what Yeshua is declaring to him that he in him you know, there is no falsity in him. It lies truth, because he has come under the sovereignty of God.
0: You you just made me click on something that I've you know I cherish this particular situation that happened with Gideon, when he was doing the 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 wine press,
1: uh-huh. it,
0: and and then he says the angel of the Lord comes and sits down under the tree, under the date yeah. tree, yeah. and I'm sitting here going. I just connected that to the authority of that angel who then says, the Lord is with you.
1: (laughs) Right, exactly. Trees, remember.
0: Well, he's going, well, if the Lord's with me, then how come I'm sitting out here hiding on my father's property? And he he doesn't recognize the kingship language of the whole thing going on there because he's he's terrified of the Midianites. Right. then, Then it says, but the Lord has sent you out and he gives him a commission. And the whole storyline changes. But again, that authority, the whole reason he sat down under the cherubim tree is that that, that picture of his authority to do what he was about to do.
1: Yes, just... and remember, we've talked about trees represented, and obviously specific ones in specific places represented the connecting point between heaven and earth. So they functioned much like a temple would function. It, the tree represented the place of the presence of God, and in the ancient world, the trunk itself was associated with the divine king when he was raised up and became king. so trees had that element in in them i mean and it is interesting that the word for trees is the same word we have for bones that seem is the plural because a tree was compared to a person, a person is you know upright with bones, just like a tree uh standing upright. you know I've got I'm working on a whole teaching which will probably go into my next book with noah because noah building an ark out of wood out of trees so I'm I'm going somewhere with that to compare the the world of the body of Messiah you know as trees coming together forming the place of the presence of God as it was to be in the tabernacle. So I got lots of good stuff. I'm going well, to.
0: Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because the covenant with kafar, pitch. Yeah. And the word pitch there, or kafar, means redeemer, redemption, salvation, all those different things are going into the elements of this ark.
1: Yeah. So I, well, I, it's I, a, yeah, and And more specific, that. it has to do with atonement.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Nathan Graves, my, my business partner, co worker here. He pointed that out to me one day, and I went, oh, my God, this is an atonement thing. Yeah. The ark is a form of an atonement. It is it literally God is making an atonement, and and now Noah, who is king, yep. is, is going to do the eighth day. He's going to bring forth the eighth day. And well, the
1: only place atonement can, for sin can take place was in the temple. So right. that is why it's so critical to understand the ark, for example, in, in those terms. Or if we're, you know, dealing with a tree situation, uh, that is the place in which sin is forgiven, because that's where the authority comes from God to forgive sin.
0: You know, Dean, I just had—I'm sitting here thinking about all this, and I'm going, yeah, Father, this is so amazing how you have woven this into every century, and and we can dig into this and see this, and the more we see this. The easier it becomes to see what you're doing, and to be participants in it. It's it's like um, I cherish this information, because it's not a it's not an emotional connection to the Bible. Yes. I'm literally watching the kingdom advance. Right. Through the body, through the
1: people. Yes, exactly. It they can't advance no other way. Right. It doesn't advance by swords and by. Uh, oppressing empires and defeating and, and destroying and killing and it doesn't advance that way it advances a hundred eighty degrees opposite through love and compassion and concern and caring and you know we have got to remember that so even though we look out and it's like oh my god this world is so violent you know what next you know what do we just have that whole thing in Austin with the kid blowing up all these different people I mean just You know, but on the on the flip side of it, you know, the kingdom is alive and well and moving through it, and moving by love—the exact opposite of that kind of hate—that you know that would kill—and the love that would restore and bring life.
0: And it's interesting too, because the more people, quote unquote, grab a hold of the root of the biblical narrative. The louder that chaos and the craziness is getting out yeah. there. Yeah,
1: oh, for sure. That's one of the reasons why.
0: That, that's exactly right. I'm, you, you took those words right out of my mouth. the The fact that there are so many people wanting to go back and hear more than just the. Well, I don't want to say that, but but I could. The Sunday sermon, or or some of the you know when you've got three, when you've got thirty thousand denominations. You've got 30,000 variations of one story. And people yeah. just want to go yeah. back to the story. And yeah. I think that the more we, we all look to do that, the louder that lunacy going on out in the field. And and if ever we needed to be a brighter light than that, it's now because that, that stuff out there is crushing. Yeah. Crushing. And if we don't come together, and understand this kingdom language and the Torah and returning to all this stuff, then we're just as dark and divided as they are up there. And that's, right. that's why we do this show. That's why you do the books. That's why we do all of this.
1: Yeah, we have to exercise our kingdom responsibility that we love one another. I mean, that's just the bottom line. And, and it's, it's hard to hard to do. An and, yeah. I mean, there's people, you know, I'm like, really? But that is that is our call no matter what. And I don't want to get in the nitty-gritty of that, but that is the nature of the kingdom—to love one another—and that is how people will know the kingdom exists.
0: Well, I think um, I think I want to stay on this topic, the kingdom in uh, the gospel. Oh yeah. I want to I want to stay here. I know you're going to be gone April the 4th. I'm going to try to get Daniel McGurr to come on. I haven't spoken to him yet, but I'd like to have him as a guest. And then I'm taking off on the 29th, but it's not during the show. But anyway, I want to stay on this topic because the more I listen to the the series, the more information I get and I can open up the scriptures and the stuff reads. It reads simple now.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and think of this. I mean, that show is airing on Israel TV Network. Right. And it's the number one watched program. That tells me a lot. People are hungry starving to understand the foundation of the scriptures.
0: Well, I mean, I put seven on, on our Facebook page, and the, the, the amount of people that have visited is astounding to me in just two days. So I'll give you the last word, and then we'll see you all next week.
1: Well, yeah, thanks, everyone, for joining us. Um, yeah, I didn't get into Born Again. I promise I will <laughs> um, because I feel it's an important chapter in John that's, I think, misunderstood. But again, uh, we, we could talk about the kingdom, its principles, its organization, and its structure till the cows come home. There's, there, there's not enough in the lifetime to really be able to, to cover every facet of what the kingdom is. So, you know, bit by bit here and there. And again, you know, my book kind of deals with some of this, which reminds me, one more plug for all of you who've already read the book please go write your review on Amazon for me, and I'll send you a DVD free all about what it means to be king. So it's right up, you know, the alley of what we're talking about.
0: And on that note, folks, uh, next week, Born Again, we're going to talk. We're going to jump into this. Okay, so stay with us. Next week, on returning to Eden. Dr. Dina Dye is going to take us on a journey through the Born Again and the parables and all those wonderful things that don't necessarily mean what we've been taught. It's Amen.
1: Amen. See you next time. Shalom.
0: Bye-bye. Bye-bye.